The NBA draft is Thursday, and to break down Miami's options, we're joined by draft expert Adam Spinella. If the Heat do keep their pick, is there someone in the draft that can make a difference? We're going to answer that and more on today's Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm joined today by Adam Spinella, who does a great job covering the NBA draft on his newsletter and his podcast, The Box and One. Thanks so much for jumping on, Adam. First of all, really excited to be talking with you because uh, – all of the Beal stuff coming off of an NBA Finals run that was not very much expected. We haven't talked about the draft here at all, like not even a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on some specific prospects here in a minute, but I think the best place to start with this thing is, look, I know the top of the draft is the thing everybody's talking about with Wembenyama and Scoot and some of the guys up there, but what are your thoughts on the middle of the draft near where the Heat are picking at number 18 on Thursday night? Yeah, Wes, thank you so much for having me on here. I've really enjoyed watching the Miami Heat run over these last couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden it ends, the finals are over, and oh crap, there's a draft a week and a half away. So yeah. let's try to cram all this in here if we can. That's like- kind of what we're going to do. I actually want to go speed <laughs> round with you on some players. I hope that the Heat front office is not cramming to the degree that I am cramming here. <laughs> I'm sure they are not. And, and if if I could put this draft class into a little bit of context, for me it would be that very heavy at the top, I think that the top, You know, four or five guys in this draft class are as strong as we've seen in a number of years. I think there is a little bit of a ledge and a drop off that takes place after the lottery. We're in that like 15 to 30 range. There's just a a wide number of outcomes that could take place. So many players that are struggling to gain separation from each other. If you pay attention to a lot of the news and the scuttlebutt around the draft, there's probably like 18 to 20 guys who are rumored to be lottery picks right now. So that wow. could bode well for Miami if one of those guys ends up falling to right. them at 18. But it also means that there's not much separation maybe between 18 and 30, as you would see in typical drafts. Yeah, like I said before, I've got a list of guys that I want to ask you about that kind of like kind of doing some mock draft uh, and, and some initial research on my end. I, I kind of I, f- I feel like I know what you're talking about in terms of some guys that might be falling. There's obviously teams are going to be picking for need a little bit, and maybe that could result in some teams, uh, some guys falling here. But I think the way we kind of talk about draft, like zooming out, like the way we talk about drafts in general is like you have rankings, you have mock drafts, you also have tiers, right? And in this one, Webinyama is just a tier by himself, all timer. Then you kind of have the Scoot Brennan Miller tier, and then it kind of feels like you have another tier after that, maybe two tiers kind of in that lottery area, but like. Like where the Heat are picking, number 18, like how many guys are kind of in that tier? It kind of gets back to what you were saying before. Yeah, so when I just released the the latest edition of my overall big board, I've got 12 players that are in that same late first round tier, essentially extending from 16 all the way through to 28. Mm-hmm. And those are all the first round grades that I have, have given out. So for Miami to be mm-hmm. picking in that range, obviously you'd love if one of those guys who I would really value above that is still available and on the board. But it's going to be a lot more a draft about fit in terms of position, of skill set, and kind of characteristics and the ability of a player to come in and help your organization in the timeline that you need. I think Miami's is very clear. 
They want to keep winning. They want to go back to the NBA finals. I think it'd be the right time for them to try to, to get one of those players at 18 who can help them in some regard over the next year or two. Kind of talking about the fit part of this. Is this why, and this is completely unrelated from the Miami heat, but I'm just very curious. I think scoot is a home run. I love that guy. I don't dive into it like you do, man. I am. I, I used to, when I was, you know, covering the warriors and they had those picks up in a lot, like I was getting into it and I had really strong, like basketball opinions on some of those guys. This draft, I don't, right? And I just see Scoot, and I was like, I love how he's going up against Wemby. He's got a great mentality. I'm betting on that guy. And then all of a sudden, this Brandon Miller stuff starts happening. I'm like, what's going on with this? Isn't he like, isn't Scoot the clear number two? Is that what's happening there at two and three with Portland and Charlotte there in reverse order there? Like, is Charlotte kind of looking at this like, well, we've got LaMelo. Brandon Miller's good. I'm not, nothing against Brandon Miller, but like we might not want to draft Scoot because we have LaMelo, so we're going to go with Brandon Miller here. Or is there like a legit case like in a vacuum, Brandon Miller might be the best play, player available at number two? I think there's a legitimate case to make. It's not one that I subscribe to. I'm a big Scoot Henderson guy, and I've right. had him number two on my board the entire draft cycle. But with Brandon Miller, I think it's more so about finding ways to win in the modern NBA and a very easy recipe for success to replicate is having a lot of big wings who can create their own shot and space the floor as a catch and shoot threat. And that's what Brandon Miller does without sacrificing playmaking. I think he's an underrated playmaker without sacrificing defense. He's long. He competes on that end of the floor has a little bit of positional versatility. He checks a lot of boxes for the modern NBA. And I think that if you could, if you can make the case that Brandon Miller is going to be a guy who averages 20 to 25 points a game in the league, he checks so many boxes that you have to consider him at number two. Fair enough. Um, all right. So we've kind of talked through where this draft kind of stacks up here. I do want to ask you about some specific prospects. But again, so, before I get to that, before I get to you know what? Let's just do this now. I teased it enough. Uh, the one that ESPN recently mocked was Ryan Rupert from New Zealand, long wing, long wingspan. Everything I read about this guy is that he's just sort of gnarly, kind of has that dog mentality. And those are buzzwords for me. And I'm sure it's buzzwords for the Miami heat, right? This kind of seems to be the direction they go in. And maybe that's why he's being mocked to them in so many of these mock drafts. What are your thoughts on Ryan Rupert? Yeah. So, uh, you know, 18 years old playing this past year for the New Zealand breakers in the NBL. A lot of times we've seen, guys who have gone that non-traditional pathway go play professionally for a year before declaring for the NBA draft. They get a lot out of that process. They learn how to be professionals. And that's, that's the Andrew about, Bogut league, right? That, yeah, it is. And, and okay. it's, it's it, LaMelo ball played there. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of other prospects, Josh Giddy, RJ Hampton have come through that, that non-traditional pathway, so to speak. So it, it is pretty w- reputable and well scouted. The thing with Rayon Rupert is, is he's about six foot seven with over a seven foot wingspan right now. So he checks a lot of those modern boxes on the defensive end. Switchability right. can guard multiple positions. Really good at the point of attack from an offensive and a skill standpoint. Very underdeveloped right now. Super raw. Grew up playing more of a lead guard position, but hasn't necessarily filled out in his body or figured out how to use his gangly arms to create separation questionable jump shot but I think one of the reasons he gets mocked to the Miami Heat or seen as a heat culture type of guy is because of the sacrifice that he was willing to make as an 18 year old prospect playing with the New Zealand Breakers this year so 
envisioned a little bit more of a role with the ball in his hands coming in as most prospects who have first round of the NBA and, and their dreams would like to do. He comes in and realizes quickly, this is a very good New Zealand team. I have to buy into my role and do whatever it is that I can do to help the team win. And he essentially slotted into a catch and shoot three and mm. D type of wing. And it, it worked. He played that role in a way that helped push the New Zealand breakers all the way to the NBL championship game this year, winning experience and sacrifice in those moments while still having that long, raw, high upside player. That's a really tantalizing combination for a team that we know values the character and the role accountability piece, piece as much as Miami does. This is why you're one of the best at this, because I love that story. I love everything about that breakdown. I feel like I learned a lot about him, including how to pronounce his name. I said it wrong and you, and you very, gently corrected me you repeated rayon repair repair i always uh remember it by saying that the jump shot is not beyond repair (laughs) well done there you go see there it is today's episode of lockdown heat is brought to you by better help it's so easy to get caught up in what everybody else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself but when we spend all of our time giving it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Everything is meant to work with your schedule and your preferences, all to help you live a better life. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA today to get 10% off on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. Um, all right. I Before I get into some of the other players that I just sort of randomly have listed here, who do you have mocked to the Heat in your latest in the last mock draft, I had Jet Howard out of Michigan okay, uh, he's being on my mocked list. here to the Miami Heat for a lot of connection and obvious reasons. I think Heat yeah. fans are probably familiar with the Howard family and the time they spent in South Beach. But when I watch Jet Howard play, he reminds me a lot of the type of movement specialty shooters that they've thrived off of. And Juwan has copied so many elements of Eric Spolster's playbook and been able to run those over the last couple of years at Michigan, a lot of dribble handoffs for guys coming out of the corners, screen the screener actions where a shooter is coming up to the top of the key and curling off of handoffs or down screens. It reminds me a lot of a Duncan Robinson type of role. So I think the fit is pretty seamless in that regard. In order to believe that Jet Howard is going to be a top 20 pick, you have to buy into finding ways for him to improve or to blanket him on the defensive end of the floor. He's long at six foot eight, but not a great athlete, puts very little pressure on the rim offensively, and then needs a lot of help on the defensive end just to figure out what type of position is going to be best for him long-term. So uh, I think there are a lot of positives that a guy like Jet Howard brings into a team construct. You just have to feel really comfortable as an organization that you can offset some of the challenges that he provides. Kind of talking about like the idea of somebody walking in. I mean, the idea of Jet Howard walking in, like, okay, parts of this playbook look familiar to me. We're speaking the same language here. I know I can curl off a spam out of bio, dribble handoff. I'm gonna nail this three pointer, and then we'll figure out the other stuff later. I I I like that for the Miami Heat because they're not looking for 
a big swing. They're not trying to find their next superstar, even here at number 18 necessarily. It just sort of feels like, okay, we've got Jimmy, we've got Bam, we've got right now Tyler Hero. We'll see what else happens this offseason. But if we could find a guy at 18 that just makes sense for us and can play and be a depth piece, that is value add for a team that was just in the NBA Finals. Yep. Is there a guy like that other – obviously you had Jet Howard mocked there for a reason – is there another guy maybe in this range and part of this tier that kind of fits that description? I love uh, a guy for the Miami Heat, Olivier Maxence Prosper out of okay. Marquette. Not sure if you had him on your I list there, but he's one of the big risers coming out of the NBA draft combine. Played really well in the first day of scrimmages, ended up shutting it down. He has conducted more workouts during this pre-draft process than anybody else has. I think 15 or 16 teams that he's flown around the country to work out for, really betting on himself as a competitor and a guy who loves basketball. 20 years old, 6'8", with over a 7-foot wingspan, and the ideal point-of-attack switchable defender. I think if you looked at the, the skill or the talent gaps that the Miami Heat roster has right now, it's not having enough bigger wings who can yes. do multiple things on the defensive end of the floor. And Prosper knows his role and can come in and check those boxes right away. Marquette was one of the best teams in the Big East this past year. Prosper had a lot to do with that while carrying a fairly low usage role on offense. Improved a lot as a catch-and-shoot guy, and I want to get to the offensive stuff in a second, but the defense is the real appeal for him. And if you go back and watch so many of the different games that he played in the Big East, he was really the focal point of Marquette's defense. Against teams that had really good guards, they would just have Prosper guard him the entire time or switch him on ball screens to be able to corral any advantage that he'd, he'd get. Against big wing like a Cam Whitmore, who's thought to be a top five pick in this year's draft, Prosper was fantastic against him in space, turned one of the best athletes in this draft class into a jump shooter. Mm. And then against a movement specialist, a guy like Jordan Hawkins for Connecticut, who just came off of a national championship run, he chased Hawkins around screens the entire game in the Big East tournament, completely shut him out and neutralized the Connecticut offense as a result. He's an unbelievable chess piece for a tactically brilliant coach like Eric Spolstra to be able to use on defense. The questions around Prosper have always revolved around, do you buy the jump shot enough? And he progressed and got so much better as a catch and shoot guy throughout the season. That was really important. That has reportedly continued throughout this pre-draft process where he's blown teams away with how he shoots the ball in many of his workout settings. But more important than that, he knows and understands his role, does not try to force anything on the offensive end, has already operated as a catch-and-shoot guy around a ball screen heavy attack. And here's one gem or nugget for you. Nevada Smith, the old G League head coach for the Miami Heat who worked underneath Eric Spolstra, currently assist an assistant at Marquette. There's going to be flow of information between those two programs and front offices to understand the type of person that Omax Prosper is, the type of role that he's going to be. And I saw so many similarities between how Marquette ran their offense this year and how the Heat's G League organization did when Nevada Smith was in charge. I just think there's unbelievable synergy here between the team and the organization. Yeah, and as we know, there's a pretty deep history connecting Marquette and the Miami heat. Right. Yeah. So that's a big part of it. Also, um, you sold me on this guy that I have never heard of. Um, <laughs> I'm just draft him now. Call it in. 
Why not? But why not mock him instead of instead of Jet Howard? I understand the Jet Howard connection too, but why not have him mocked to Miami instead? Yeah, a, a lot of this has to do with kind of talent and and potential in some regards. I also yeah. think that getting a guy like Jet Howard keeps the door open for the Miami Heat to make different decisions and moves this summer as it mm-hmm. regards to Max Struess as an impending free agent, Duncan Robinson as a larger contract that they might want to ship off to to grab a star player that you're still going to need that floor spacing wing around whoever else it is that you bring in. Um, How much of an appetite in this draft is there for the heat to possibly trade back and maybe grab some other assets that they could use in another kind of deal or, or or maybe even kind of unload a, a, a bigger salary to move back. Like how much is there people looking to get maybe from the end of like in the twenties up into like that 18 range? There's certainly potential for it. So the Indiana Pacers have three picks between 26 and 32, which gives them a nice cachet to be able to move up if they have one guy that they would like. Uh, The Utah Jazz have 26 and multiple other future assets that could be of value here. The Nets are sitting at 21 and 22 back-to-back, probably not uh, that small of a jump to make to get all the way up to 18. But there are some possible trade partners for, for Miami to move back. I think that they'd have to feel really comfortable with adding two rookies to the roster. Mm. That's a, a tough pill for a lot of championship contending teams to swallow because it takes up valuable roster spots and you never really believe you can rely on a rookie from day one, even right. as, as talented as those guys can be that you find in the lottery or the mid part of the first round, like you're playing with house money. If that guy is in your rotation in the playoffs. So I would have a hard time seeing them as an organization stomach multiple first round picks, but I think sitting at 18 does give them a lot of leverage to potentially move back or move out of this draft for the right player. If somebody outside of that lottery range is still on the board. Today's episode of locked on heat is brought to you by FanDuel baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. If you've been betting on the Marlins this season, you're probably looking pretty good. And Luis Arez has been winning a lot of people some uh, ball-hitting props right now. So start taking a look at your Miami Marlins there. Don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball's trademark used with permission. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I got like seven or eight other guys I want to ask you about. We're going to go speed round now. Okay. Um, Give me like... I. I love the little nuggets you've got, like the the stories and stuff. Like, give me a, uh, your elevator pitch nugget, a comp, or like you can even go like a non comp. You can go like an opposite comp if that makes sense. Okay. Like, this player is not Shaquille O'Neal if you want to go that <laughs> route. Um, and uh, I don't know, just elevator pitch speed round. We're gonna start Noah Clowney, the power forward from Alabama. Yeah, Noah Clowney, uh, very much not Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, six six foot ten, like long armed, limber forward slash big he's like a hybrid four or five man really competitive guy who doesn't care much about stats or role just willing to do whatever it is to help his team win I think that those characteristics and traits once they get out there 
really mesh well with the Heat organization. But he's more in theory than in practice right now. Uh, in theory, he's a switchable defender that might be able to play the five, but also can switch on the perimeter. I wasn't too blown away by the the footage or the game tape of how he fared when guarding smaller guys. Mm. And then offensively, he's more theory as a stretch shooting big man than anything else in practice right now. He looks really comfortable taking them, but almost all of his attempts come from the corner and he finished the year below 30% from three. So he is a, a long-term upside pick without a doubt. You mentioned him before, but let's do it. Jordan Hawkins, the guard from UConn, national champ. Yeah, another movement shooting specialist, 6'3", 6'4", with good athletic tools, but hasn't found consistent ways to utilize them. I think everything for Hawkins is about the three-point shot. Sprints to the floor in transition. He's like the energizer bunny, never stops moving off of screens. Has a great basketball pedigree, grew up in the D.C. area, went to DeMatha High School, which is a famed program from around that area. He's a winner, and that is a, a proven thing at this point in his career. One at DeMatha, one here at UConn. He doesn't have the the most diverse set of skills, but he's really good at what he does, and he makes a positive impact whenever he's on the floor. Is he considered a, quote-unquote, better prospect? Is he going to be taken before Jet Howard? If you pay attention to a lot of the mainstream stuff right now that's trending in that direction, I think for the right team that would value length and long-term upside a little bit more than the instant impact of Hawkins shooting, that there's potential for that. But, I mean, Jordan is coming off of one of the most legendary three-point shooting seasons we've seen in college basketball. Um, Let's do Nick Smith Jr., guard Arkansas. Yeah, Nick Smith had a really tough freshman season at Arkansas for a lot of different reasons, battled injuries and was in and out of the lineup. But he did have one really impressive stretch when he appeared to be healthy, just going into the SEC tournament at the end of the year. Over a six-game span, averaged 19 a game, shot 40% from three. That's the type of player you envision that you're getting in Nick Smith. Really valuable shot maker with long arms for the combo guard position unbelievable touch with his runner and mid-range pull-up game but very slender frame not a rim pressure guy on offense and he is very far away from turning into a positive impact on the defensive end super raw but high level upside uh let's see let's do this is fun man i feel like i'm just like doing a roulette <laughs> and you're just like boom let's go let's go bryce sensabaugh Sensabaugh, another scoring-minded young player, had a prolific scoring season this year at Ohio State and led the entire country, uh, or excuse me, the entire draft class in terms of points per 40 minutes. So a prolific score, completely played off of the floor on the defensive end where he was subbed out of the game by Ohio State for offensive-defense situations, really showed his lack of feel as a playmaker with the ball in his hands. But the dude is a straight bucket. A mid-range assassin with strong frame is able to bully his way to the basket when he wants to and is one of the better catch-and-shoot guys in this class as well. A bet on Bryce Sensabaugh is a bet on him figuring out everything else just enough to the point that he can become a lethal scorer for some NBA team. Give me Derek Whitehead, wing out of Duke. Yeah, Derek Whitehead was one of my favorite prospects coming out of high school in this draft class. A lot of injury concerns have continued to plummet him down draft boards right now. He's had two surgeries on the same foot in the last calendar year. Really tough pill to swallow for NBA teams when you don't know whether the second surgery fix a lot of the issues about his athleticism that he showed, or if it's just going to lead to more red flags about his future and, and how athletic he's going to be. 6'6", decent frame as a wing, 
unbelievable shooting and scoring touch. One of the better catch and shoot guys in this draft class, not great off of movement or different screens. And his feel is a little hit or miss at times, but he can create his own in step backs and in mid range pull-ups with beautiful mechanics. And at his size, about six, six, he can do some things sliding and guarding up the lineup. I got one more for you and then I'll leave it a little bit more of an open door for you. Um, and I'm, I like Chris Murray, but I like Chris Murray because I like his older brother. And that's the end of my scouting report on Chris Murray. Forward out of Iowa. Obviously, his older brother is playing for Sacramento. Was a starter for a very good team out in the Western Conference. But what's the Chris uh, Chris Murray story? Just the forgotten man in this draft class because he is a very consistent guy who doesn't have the sexiest game about him, but just goes about his business and gets things done. I think his projectable role is very similar to what we've seen Keegan do for the Sacramento Kings this year, space the floor and be a really good shooter on offense, guard the three and the four defensively, provide a little bit of rebounding when you need to, but a mistake-free brand of basketball, very low maintenance player. You very rarely see him show emotion. I think a lot of times that gets mistakenly confused with a guy who's not passionate or very competitive, but I think that there is a, a real cerebral way that he attacks the game of basketball. The one stat that I continue to go back to with a guy like Chris Murray. Each of the last two years at Iowa, he shot above 40% on his uncontested or unguarded catch-and-shoot threes. If an NBA team can find ways to get him the ball with time to fire his shot, he's as consistent of a threat as you'll find. At 6'8 or 6'9, that's a really good player to have. Um, yeah, you sold me on him too. Anybody else that I'm forgetting that off the top of your head, maybe it could be a target for Miami there at number 18? You know, one name who's starting to rise a little bit more through this process to be more of a a late first round guy and strikes me as a Miami Heat type of player is Ben Shepard out of Belmont. I've been a huge fan of his for several months now. Probably the first guy in the public draft space waving his flag as a potential first round pick. Uh, Six foot six with decently long arms and uses them well on the defensive end. I'm a sucker for guys who grew up playing the point guard position and then hit a later growth spurt because it means that they have a real cerebral understanding of the ball of the game with the ball in their hands, but also have an ability to do different things defensively or play off ball in the half court. And Shepard is one of the better shooters in this draft class, really quick, pristine release, able to do things off of screens, but just a smart basketball player. He takes whatever the defense gives him and makes the right play time and time again uses his length to defend not a great athlete not a super strong filled out body but a very very good basketball player man i feel like i've just played like an nba draft jukebox i'm just like pushing (laughs) buttons and you're just like you're there you're like boom here's another one boom here's some more information i'm gonna play this tune for you uh this was great adam you nobody does it better than you do uh for our listeners our viewers the the box in one newsletter i'm i've been subscribed for a very long time um you can Find that on his Substack, the podcast. You are a frequent guest on Sam Vecini's Game Theory podcast over at The Athletic. Um, Adam, thanks so much. This is a great time. Thanks, man. And uh, good luck the rest of the week. I know this is going to be busy for you. Well, thank you. Really appreciate you. And I got to say, love the Miami Heat, man. Always one of my favorite teams to talk about. Beautiful. Uh, Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day, every dayers. We are still here every day throughout the offseason. We're going to be back Thursday night to break down what it is that the Miami Heat do in the NBA draft. So hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app.